Hi, and welcome to The Invisible Body. This episode, we're talking about Mephibosheth. Second Samuel, chapter 9. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan, he is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? He is in the house of Micaiah, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Micaiah, the son of Emil, at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant, that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both his feet. Okay, so if you have read all the chapters that I put out there, then you should be up to speed as to what we're talking about. Uh, just to let you know that instead of saying Mephibosheth a hundred times this episode, I'm going to call him Mephi because I cannot get my mouth around Mephibosheth more than a couple of times really well. Um, so Mephi it is. <laughs> I hope no one finds that offensive, but it's a heck of a lot easier. I also really want to draw your attention to this book. Um, it is called The Bible, Disability and the Church, A New Vision of the People of God by Amos Young. He is a really amazing theologian. I've had the privilege of hearing him speak. Um, he has a young brother that has Down syndrome and um, a lot of his theology has been really informed by that. So um, please be aware that I'm drawing heavily from his work on Mephibosheth or Mephi. And um, yes, yeah, so if you would like to read more about what I'm talking about, definitely grab this book, have a read. Um, there's a lot of stories in it. It's, it's really good stuff. I will also be referring to my notes a lot this time, um, mainly just because it's helpful for me to be able to keep track of my thoughts. Um, and I don't know the story um, or the in-depth parts of the story as well as I did the last episode. So um, please excuse me if I refer to my notes uh, while I'm talking to you. Um, 
Okay, so this week we are looking at the story of 2 Samuel chapter 9, um, which is the interaction between David and Mephi. Um, what I first want to point out, this is actually quite a scattered story that starts before 2 Samuel chapter 9. Um, so it first starts in chapter 4, verse 4, and then chapter 9. Um, and then it comes up again in chapter 16, 1 to 4, uh, chapter 19, 24 to 30, and chapter 21, verse 7. Um, so this kind of continues the story of Mephi throughout his life. So we first learn that um, he has been crippled, um, crippled, uh, due to a childhood accident. Now I say crippled because uh, our understandings of what being crippled means have developed and changed over time. So from now on I will be calling it his disability rather than um, being crippled or being lame um, because actually there is some argument as to uh, how much his disability actually affected his movement anyway. Um, but it was due to a childhood accident and um, David showed him kindness in honor of the memory of Saul and Jonathan, who he loved. Um, Mephi was later betrayed by his carer Zeba, um, who came up in chapter 9, um, because Zeba feigned loyalty to David um, to get access to Mephi's inheritance through Saul. Um, when this comes to light and David learns the truth, he actually ends up promising uh, Mephi at least part of the, his inheritance property. Um, and Mephi's life is spared despite the fact that all the other conspirators in, this, in that particular um, story are killed for being disloyal to David. Um, so Mephi survives the whole time, uh, mainly because of David's um, oath to Saul and to Jonathan to uh, maintain their line. Um, there are a couple of things I'd like to pick up um, in the chapter 9 story. Um, one of the really interesting things is that um, Mephi calls himself a dead dog, which was often interpreted as the fact that he believed he had no worth um, because of his disability. I'm going to come back to that later. Uh, it also seems to highlight his dependence on provision and assistance of others. So Zeba is... Um, basically given the place of his carer. Um, others are expected to bring in the uh, the harvest for him so that he can eat bread and um, he has the position to eat at David's table but it's basically a charity case um, and he is in no position to accept uh, to expect generosity from David. Um, his grandfather and his father is dead, his grandfather is dead, his grandfather was vanquished as king. Um, David had every right under kingship laws back then to basically ignore Mephi and disown him and kick him out of the land and all this kind of thing. So he's in a very weak position both because of his disability, um, because of his um, uh, his forebears and what they've done um, and basically just just everything in his life is kind of not very good at this point. Um, so from an ableist perspective um, when we read this story uh, David's provision 
to a disabled person has often been applauded as something that is very Christ-like, very messianic, um, giving to the poor and the needy. Um, it relates back to the the commandments given to Moses about um, the poor and the disabled. Um, so we often have heard it preached um, or the uh, the ableist view is that you know David has done this amazing thing um, by caring for this poor disabled child man whatever I'm not sure how old he is at this point um, while assuming that Mephi is dependent um, that he is in poverty and that he is highly disabled so all of the stories um, every time I've heard it preached um, a lot of the theology around it is this idea that David is this very benevolent, able-bodied person helping this poor disabled person. Um, however, there are now new um, ideas around this in the study of theology and disability. Um, as I said, Amos Young, very, very good around this. Other people I'd like to point to, Rod Thompson, um, John Swinton does a lot of stuff around this kind of thing. Um, I have a bunch of books here um, that, so uh, Rod Thompson, Shocked by Blessing, um, Walter Brueggemann, An Unsettling God, um, uh, Disability in the Christian Tradition is also a really interesting book. Um, so there are quite a few new books coming out around this kind of stuff. Um, and so when we reread the second Samuel, uh, we look at uh, Mephi in kind of a new light. So second Samuel chapter nine tells us that, um, sorry, chapter 19 tells us that Mephi came down to meet the king um, when he pledges his allegiance to David. Now this idea of coming down to meet the king is the same kind of language that is used of anybody who is coming to pledge their allegiance to a king, which suggests a level of independent agency that he wasn't actually depending on his carers at this point, that it's highlighting his initiative and his ability to approach David independently to declare allegiance. So this idea that he's this disabled person who has no ability um, and, and is completely reliant on other people um, is actually later kind of turned on its head in this chapter 19 where it shows that actually, no, he does have um, some independent agency that he is able to actually do things that um, don't require his carers. Um, in chapter 9, the dead dog um, idea um, where has been traditionally read um, as Mephi referring to himself um, in a self-deprecating kind of way due to his disability, that he is actually this this dead dog, he is of no worth, no significance. Um, but if we've actually read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel chronologically, we would remember that in 1 Samuel 24 verse 14, um, David refers to himself as a dead dog. Um, so he says to uh, Saul, who have you been chasing? You've been chasing a dead dog. You've been chasing a flea. I am nothing. I am nobody. Um, but he also, in this, in the same speech, swears that he will preserve Saul's lineage, that he will not wipe them out completely. Um, and so Mephi, at this point, when he's bowed before King David and he's saying, who am I? I'm just a dead dog in your sight. 
is actually recalling to David his promise to not wipe out Saul's line. He's recalling to David his promise to Saul to um, look after his descendants, which includes Mephi. So Mephi is kind of saying, hey, dead dog, remember how you said that to my grandfather? Well, let me remind you by saying it to you so that you can now remember your promise. And it's after this that that David says, look, you're going to get everything that, that all of Saul's land. Um, so it's not actually about his disability at that point, even though that is traditionally how it's been read. So I don't think um, that Mephi is actually making himself this really miserable figure in this speech. He's actually saying, hey, remember the promise you made to my grandfather. The other interesting thing um, that the fact that uh, Mephi's story is quite scattered throughout um, the Davidic story is that he's not simply a side character with a disability that is there to highlight the um, amazingness of David, um, which is another traditional view. Um, he doesn't. His disability does not highlight his unsuitability for the throne, or highlight David's suitability for the throne. Um, that's not the point of him being in the story. Um, rather, his inclusion in the Davidic story throughout it, he's scattered throughout it. Um, it shows that he's a real threat to the Davidic throne. He is the rightful heir of Saul, and so he's actually a threat to David despite his disability. And the fact that he shows up over and over again is accentuating to the original readers of this story the threat that he is to David, even while David is preserving his life for the sake of Saul and his covenant with Jonathan and his, his covenant with Yahweh as well. Um, so his disability is not actually about him being a charity case. It's not there to go, look how amazing David is. It's actually interwoven with the history and therefore the self-identity of the Israelite people. Um, now, the history of the Israelite people is is how they build their self-identity. So when other when the Israelites were reading this story, the idea that the rightful heir to the throne has a disability suddenly is impacting their own self-identity as the people of God. So personal and national identities become interwoven throughout the Israelite history. So Moses' ident personal identity becomes a huge factor of the Israelite identity. Same with Abraham, same with David, but also same with Mephibosheth. So these become interwoven and this destabilizes the normative way of, of the Israelite thinking around disability and ability. It completely, it would, it would have thrown their self-identity out, out of whack. So instead of having this really able-bodied um, descendant of the throne, they've got someone who is who has actually got this disability and that has to become, that has to feed back into their self-identity. It has to reflect on them as the, as the people of God, that actually the people of God, God has a descendant of his God-ordained throne that has a disability. So when we take all that into, into light, um, it actually gives us a really 
interesting view of how God views disability, um, as well as how we as Christians, as people who have been grafted onto the branch of Israel um, with that history, now our identity as well, how we should look at disability. So in this case, the chosen person of God, David, um, and the uh, rightful heir to the throne, Mephibosheth, are at uh, they they do threaten each other it is is a, it is a bit of a problem but god is with both of them because god chose saul and his line but he also chose david and his line and so you've got this idea that god has not rejected mephibosheth because of his disability there is not this um idea that he that god only has people in his chosen people who are all um, perfect in, in body and nature, but rather that there's this very key person, this very key person in the identity and history of Israel that has a disability and is actually not considered less than because of it. He is still treated as one of David's sons. He is still part of the royal court. His life is spared. He is the, the still considered a descendant of Saul. He is still considered a threat to the throne. Um, he is, in fact, a major player in, in the Israelite history and therefore the Christian history. So what can we take from this? What can we do with this? Um, well, I, I think that, first of all, it needs to shape how we read the Old Testament, that I think we have often read the Old Testament um, in churches from an ableist perspective, um, which I can understand um, how that has happened, because ableist people tend to write history, um, and they tend to be the people who have, throughout history, have been um, the people who have been most listened to. Um, but I think by rereading it and taking that message into our churches, we can see that actually people with disabilities are not sideline players, that actually they can be um, just as much of a threat or a blessing or, um, or as, as anybody else, that they are still people, yes, that may need to be provided and cared for, but not to the point where we actually um, deny them their own personal agency that we um, forget that actually they are part of the story, that God hasn't left them out, that they haven't been ignored, that they are not part of the history and self-identity of the church. Um, just as much as Mephi is part of the self-identity of Israel, people with disabilities are part of the identity of the church. Um, so I like to say, um, I love the idea of the Bride of Christ, this um, beautiful church that is is so loved and so adored by Christ but in my mind um, that bride is in, in a wheelchair that bride has, has autism um, that bride um, has spina bifida um, you know the, that bride has disabilities um, that bride has addictions that bride has mental health issues um, that bride is not this glowing beautiful bride um, that has a perfect body and no deformities and is like you know goddess type looking um, rather she is made beautiful by the love that Christ has for her just as a bride on her wedding day no matter 
um, what her ability or disability or her deformity or her um, mental illness or anything just as much as on that day it is love that makes her beautiful so does um, the the love of Christ make this church beautiful and glowing and spectacular but we are still a disabled body we're not an able body um, and just as much as Mephi changed or, or challenged the normative view of Israel about its identity and what it means to be a, the people of God, what it means to have disability as, as one of their identities. So we need to step out of this um, view that the church is meant to be perfect and and uh, abled and all this kind of thing and actually go no it is beautiful because of its different abilities because of its brokenness because of the fact that we are all so different but that God still gives us a place at his table that we are still his children just as Mephi is given a place at David's table and treated like one of his own children so we as the church are given a place at God's table and treated as his bride which is incredible so it is the um, the challenge of Mephibosheth, ah, Mephibosheth <laughs> is to step out of a, an ableist reading of scripture, to step away from this idea of, oh, the poor disabled person, look how um, caring and compassionate David is, and rather go, Mephi was a threat in his own right, that he was um, loved by God in his own right, that he was honored by David in his own right, not because of his disability, but because of who he was. Um, and once we start reading scripture that way, that will start changing the way that we view people in the world with disability, that we will start viewing our own disabilities differently and realizing that it is not because of our disability that people should treat us with respect and decency, but actually because we are people um, and our disability should not make us marginalized or side characters, but actually it is because of who we are that we are main players in this in this stage and that our disability um, is something that yes might slow us down a bit it might make things difficult um, but it doesn't make us less than and that doesn't mean that people are um, so charitable and Christ-like because they help um, it should actually be they help um, because we reflect Christ to them not the other way around so anyway that is the challenge of Mephi for this week um, I really recommend you do some more reading around it because there is a lot of stuff in that story um, that can be unpacked further I would love to hear your comments on this because I um, have been quite challenged by it um, I think that um, there is a lot that we could look at in that story um, but I would love to create discussion and idea around this. So please comment below. Um, or alternatively, you can go over to our Facebook page, The Invisible Body, and talk to um, me via. Um, or you can go to Twitter, um, at Body Invisible, um, and talk to me there. Or I am also on Instagram, um, 
the underscore invisible underscore body um, and you can have a chat to me there but the videos aren't posted on Instagram because I haven't figured out if I can do that yet um, we are also uh, on various um, podcasts so I use Anchor but that puts things up on Spotify um, on Google Podcast um, I think there might be another one but it escapes my mind at the moment I will have it below in the description um, and last but not least if you support what we're doing and would like to support us financially um, you can head over to Patreon uh, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com um, look for The Invisible Body um, we're over there and if you want to give we would really appreciate it um, but that is all for this week um, I hope that you found this helpful and uh, I really look forward to hearing from you